Hey friends, welcome to Fearless Fridays on the Make Life Matter podcast, where I share short, encouraging excerpts from fearless, ordinary women of the Bible who dare to do extraordinary things. This is my second Bible study, and you can purchase it at AngelaDenadio.com or anywhere you find books. You can also download a free chapter on Priscilla right there at AngelaDenadio.com. I'll also take you behind the scenes to some of my adventures and ministry experiences and things that God is saying to me throughout the week. Today I'm sharing from one of the women who helped deliver a deliverer. His name was Moses. If you could use some help kicking fear to the curb, you are going to love the two women that we are talking about today, the midwives who helped deliver a deliverer. The sun glistened as it danced on the Nile River. Reeds blew gently in the wind, naive to the palpable pain thickening the air. Choking back quiet sobs, Jochebed clutched him next to her heart until she thought it might break. Her hands still sticky from tar, she placed him into the basket she had woven for this moment. As her feet slipped into the muddy marsh, hot tears slid down her face. She pushed back the what-if thoughts threatening to steal her resolve and looked one last time into her child's trusting eyes. I know something is different about you. I know Jehovah has destined you for greatness. I don't understand everything that is happening to you right now or why I have to say goodbye to you, but I know that he will protect you and protect our people. Every time I brushed this basket with tar, I whispered a prayer over you. I love you and I'm letting you go so Jehovah can take care of you. With that, Jacobed stepped back and held her breath. She felt secure that the cradle of plated papyrus reeds she meticulously wove together was watertight. She was confident that Pharaoh's daughter would come to bathe at any minute. Yet her faith didn't lie in a tiny basket or even in the compassion of the daughter of royalty. Her trust was in God. Picture for a moment what it might have been like for Jochebed to crouch in the weeds and wait. Did she fully understand the way her actions would affect generations to come? How could she have known her child would become one of the greatest leaders of the Old Testament? Just as a relay race requires members of a team to take turns passing a baton as they complete their leg of the race, God's means for salvation required several women to carry their baton with faith. The midwives, Jochebed, Miriam, and Pharaoh's daughter all ran their portion of a divinely orchestrated race. Their obedience constituted far more than crossing a finish line. It determined the course of history. Just who was this deliverer they helped deliver? Moses was the instrument through which Israel experienced salvation. The exodus, the experience of the Jewish people being led from slavery in Egypt to the Promised Land, is the defining moment of the Old Testament. It is through the Exodus experience that the Jewish people come to know who they are and whose they are. Moses, of course, is God's point man for the job, going toe-to-toe with Pharaoh and demanding that he let God's people go. It is Moses who raises his arms for God to part the waters of the Red Sea so that the Jewish people could cross over from slavery to freedom. It is Moses to whom God gives the Ten Commandments to form his people into a nation. Well, let's backtrack a bit to understand why Jacobed found herself in such dire circumstances. Why were the Israelites enslaved in the first place? 
Genesis 42 recounts a time when a severe famine spread across the land of Canaan. Under Joseph's leadership, the Israelites traveled to Egypt for food and subsequently settled there for hundreds of years. By the time we come to the book of Exodus, the Israelite population had increased to the point that Pharaoh felt threatened. He became consumed by irrational fears and delusional thoughts. The first chapter of Exodus outlines three strategies implemented by Pharaoh to suppress Israel. The first, a preemptive strike, singled out the rapidly expanding Hebrew minority as a perceived threat. Listen to the words of Exodus 1 verses 8 through 14. Then a new king to whom Joseph meant nothing came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us and leave the country. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread so that the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor and brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. The Hebrew people enslaved for 400 years suffered cruel oppression and abuse under Egyptian rule. Pharaoh used slave labor to build two supply cities, Ramses and Pithom. The Israelites built channels for rivers, walls, ramparts, and the pyramids. However, Pharaoh's plans to weaken them and keep them from multiplying was unsuccessful. Incensed, Pharaoh instituted a second strategy, infanticide. As a deranged leader sought to destroy a people group, God used a powerful cross-cultural and intergenerational alliance of women to thwart him at every turn. Shipra and Pua carried the baton first. They became a part of Pharaoh's plan, entering our story in Exodus 1 verse 15. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Shipra and Pua, when you are helping the Hebrew women during childbirth on the delivery stool, if you see that the baby is a boy, kill him. But if it is a girl, let her live. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. Pharaoh issued a royal decree to kill all male babies at birth as a program to control the population. Midwives charged with the responsibility of bringing children into the world dare to defy a king. The nationality of Shipra and Pua is ambiguous. Although we cannot be certain if they were Egyptian or Hebrew, the Jewish historian Josephus asserts they were Egyptian supervisors of more than 500 midwives. Hebrew midwives can read midwives to the Hebrews, and as Egyptians, they would carry out Pharaoh's order. They were called in to oversee Hebrew births and commanded to carry out, carry out the unthinkable. Shipra means to procreate, and Pua means bearing of children. Their very vocation was to preserve and protect life. Whether they were Hebrew or Egyptian, they were women who risked being punished by a wicked monarch capable of such an evil act. These midwives rebelled against Pharaoh by keeping the babies alive. Disobeying the direct order of a Pharaoh could result in the death and destruction of your entire family. Yet these fearless women chose life, and in doing so, they played a crucial role in delivering a deliverer. Can we just pause for a moment and sit with the gravity of their choice? What would propel these women past the possibility of death to stand up for justice? Verse 17 tells us why they feared God. 
The Hebrew word here used is yare, meaning to fear, honor, or be in awe. At first glance, it seems Shipra and Pua were mercilessly caught in the jaws of a culture in crisis. Sound familiar? They found themselves in the center of a horrific moral dilemma. We aren't privy to the conversations they had behind closed doors. They certainly hadn't asked to be placed in the national spotlight. Yet please know that they were not there by chance. They were divinely positioned for change because God trusted their character. Their choice had consequences. They faced intense scrutiny for their actions. In verse 18 and 19, Pharaoh says, Why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? The midwives answered the Pharaoh, Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. They are vigorous and give birth before the midwives arrive. Called before the king, they mustered the nerve to resist the will of Egypt's most powerful sovereign ruler. Although they responded with a half-truth, it's important to note that their motivation for lying was to preserve life. They chose to stand up for the cause of protecting the Hebrew babies at the peril of their own lives. In doing so, they became a conduit for God's providence, his means of delivering the Hebrews. Employed by the Pharaoh and subject to his rage, they were commanded to remain instruments of barbarity. Yet in striking contrast to the national practice of abortion and infanticide, their actions constitute the first act of civil disobedience, nonviolent resistance for the sake of justice. Given a heart-wrenching choice, they followed God, and God blessed them for their obedience. Verse 20 says, So God was kind to the midwives, and the people increased and became even more numerous. And because the midwives fear God, He gave them families of their own. These women lived ordinary lives, but dared to do extraordinary things. They were fearless because they feared God. They simply did the right thing at the right time, and in doing so, they thwarted the enemy's plan. God is no respecter of persons. Whether they were Hebrew or Egyptian, God blessed them for their obedience and faith in Him. They used the one resource they had to protect life, their vocation. These two seemingly powerless women stood up to outwit and outsmart a king. They knew a critical secret that shines hope into our struggles. Pharaoh was not in control. God was in control. The larger picture was to get Moses to his place of leadership. Did they recognize they were playing a vital part in God's divine plan to deliver a deliverer? We'll never know. But we do know they stood up to defend the cause of those who could not defend themselves. Perhaps you feel paralyzed by a decision you're facing, agonizing over your next move. If you're questioning why God has you in a particular position, take your cues from these heroic women. Courage stares into the face of uncertainty and does the next right thing. We can stand up for justice at all costs when we fear God more than man. When the world contradicts the word, the word has the final say. Our ordinary, everyday moments can become platforms for the miraculous when we choose obedience. You've been listening to music from my album, Finding Tranquility. You can find it on iTunes or anywhere you listen to music and at AngelaDonatio.com.